This is Jamie Finn from Foster the Family, and this is The Real Mom Podcast. Hey friends, it is season two, episode 12 of The Real Mom Podcast. And today I am talking to Rachel King, who is the biological and adoptive mom of two little boys, recently adopted. And I just love where this conversation went. You never know, but it was so good. Just talking about our identity, talking about the different loss we experience through every stage, what is final and what is not, how we get to live the gospel in adoption. It was just such a good conversation. I know you're going to love it. I know you're going to love her. Enjoy this episode of The Real Mom Podcast. Today, I'm talking to Rachel King. Rachel is the biological and adoptive mother of two boys. And I'm really excited to talk to her today because she is fresh off of adoption. And I can't remember exactly what that feels like. And I know some of you are anticipating it. So I'm so excited to just hear her enthusiasm and remember what it's like to have that adoption celebration. So hi, Rachel. How are you? Good. Hi, how are you? Good. I'm so glad that you are here with us today. So I always just start with, tell me about your family. Yeah. So um, I'm married to Zach King. Um, Zach and I got married in 2014 in December. Um, and we were pretty fresh out of college. And so we got married. Newlyweds almost. <laughs> four years. <laughs> um, four and a half, I think. We'll celebrate five this year. So. But to be um, kids deep, four and a half years yeah. in, that's yeah. Our first year of marriage was actually very busy. Um, so we traveled a lot for his work. So we got to experience a lot of different things. And then we actually competed on the amazing race at the end of that year. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen that show. I love the amazing. Um, yeah. So we were contestants on that show. I think before we hit our first year anniversary. Crazy. So we were, we were like, this either make us or break us. So let's do it. Yeah. That's so um, funny my husband. And I always say our biggest regret is that we didn't travel more before we had kids. We've traveled yeah. a bit since, but we're like, uh-huh. why did we not use that five years of freedom, but you just uh-huh. took advantage of it. So even though you're already two kids deep, you already, you already lived life. Yeah. We got to experience so much. We felt so blessed, but his company and his work, just took him all over the world. And so the way our life was set up, I was able to go with him for most of those trips. And so, so cool. by the time we did the race too, you know, it was a month of traveling the world and competing on reality TV show. By the end of that, we really kind of said, okay, I think we're ready. Like we've experienced so much and we just really felt ready to start our family. And so um, we started our family that next May by getting certified to be foster parents. So um, we went through the certification process and I wasn't, I was, uh, wasn't working at the time. I was kind of ha- part-time for Zach's company. And so we were able to kind of get it done really quickly within, I think we were for certified within four months, um, wow. from our start date. And so we got, um, our first little guy who I won't say his name on here cause he's no longer with us for confidentiality reasons. So we were his parents, his foster parents for about six months. And then he was able to reunify and it was actually a really good 
situation. And I mean, there was so much heartbreak on our end for sure. Still just cause it's a goodbye, Yeah, for but sure. we were able to celebrate that his parents worked really hard to reunify their family. Can I stop you right there real quick? Because as a foster care advocate, one of the questions I get so often is from people who want to start their family and are doing it first through foster care. If that makes sense to you, like I feel like 90% of us are, okay, we had our kids or we're in the middle of having our kids. And I feel like the heartbreak is there for sure for all of us, but it's hard for me to imagine the heartbreak of one day I'm a mother and then the next day I'm not. So can you speak to that to anyone who doesn't have children yet and is worried about like, how will I even cope? Yeah, that actually, that concept itself was probably one of the hardest things to process with the goodbye, besides the obvious of attaching and falling in love. But for me, you know, I was a stay at home mom. And so overnight, my my life, which and my identity was changed and it was very off. Um, And it was really weird to process because I felt like part of my heart was ripped, not only because this little boy that I love was moved out, but now I didn't know what to do. Um, and we weren't quite ready to take another child instantly. We wanted to heal. We wanted to process that. So we had about a month. And so that month was pretty strange. Um, but at the same time, I think I knew that God would give us the tools to heal. And for me, it really challenged me to go back to, okay, where is my identity? Oh, I love that. You know, I can't, I don't have a title to the world right now this month. Oh, I'm a mom. Okay. Where are your kids? You know, it it was too complicated for the world. And so I had to go back to, I'm a child of God. And if that's all I am in this entire life, that's enough. And so it really forced me to kind of go back to that. I have literal chills right now. I've just, (laughs) That like, there are certain lessons that you want to fight to learn and you're striving towards. And then God puts the situation in your life where it's like, you are going to learn this. You are either going to Mm -hmm. learn it or you're going to die because to be a mom and then not be a mom, there has to be something bigger that carries you through that, that deep, that your identity is in him. That is really beautiful. Yeah. Um, so we, so yeah, that month was, um, a whole experience in itself, just for the first time, understanding the grief of saying goodbye within the foster care system to my identity being processed and all of that, all those things. And so, um, we kind of took a month to be together, heal process. Um, we were able to take a question of stopping within that month. No, no. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't even think it was like a cross our mind kind of a yeah. thing. I think for us, our, the thing we had to process was, okay, how long do we need? Mm-hmm. And we wanted to be really intentional that we didn't say yes again until we were emotionally and mentally ready because we knew if we weren't, it could be more detrimental. And so for us, it wasn't an, is this a yes or no, but whether like, okay, how long? Um, and so for us at about a month, we decided we were ready again. And so that's when we got our call for Mason, who's our two-year-old, um, who we just finalized the adoption of. So, and that was super exciting. I, I we, know so many people who look at the loss and are like, what was the point of that? And where was the timing in that? And then mm-hmm. you see that your forever son wasn't 
ready for you mm-hmm. <laughs> when you yeah. were ready that first time and just seeing how like God writes these timelines and we have to entrust ourselves yeah. and the timeline to him. Well, and what's so cool about Mason's timeline is that he was born, um, like a week after we had said goodbye to our first little guy. And, but he had to spend time in the hospital and he had a transition season. And so the minute we were ready, his case needed a a long-term placement. And so the alignment of that was just um, crazy. And it's funny because we actually got a call for him. I think the, we had told our agency, okay, we'll be ready next Monday. That kind of a thing where we, you give them notice. And so of course, (laughs) typical, we got the call like a week earlier, (laughs) like, okay, we know you're not ready, but we are planning (laughs) and we're looking. (laughs) And so, um, so we actually got to go meet him at his short-term placement before we took him home, which was such a gift to just kind of help that transition for us and for him. And so it was just such a cool God timing alignment of everything, um, for his move into our home for sure. I love that. So, yeah, so we, he moved in to our home and became part of our family. Let me think back April. Cause it was two years almost to the day of him coming home that we finalized the adoption. So April of 2017, um, he came into our lives and yeah, so he was with us. Um, and then it wasn't until I'm trying to like think back to all the months, maybe a year and a half later that we find that found out we were pregnant. Um, and so we had a lot of his foster case just with him, which was a gift, I think, to be able to focus on him. And um, he was born prematurely, so he had some medical things to kind of work through. And so we were just able to really love on him and kind of work through his situation um, until things kind of started to calm down. And then we actually ended up (laughs) finding out we were pregnant. So you are on a podcast, so you know that I'm asking you to share your story, but I'm going to ask a really personal question. Okay. And that is, did you worry at all or struggle through being attached to your biological child once you found out you were pregnant, but you had this living, breathing foster child who wasn't even fully yours? Like, mm-hmm. was there any wrestling there or no? I think there was wrestling just with the concept of, you know, we're fostering this child and it's easy or I would say to explain to people or to walk through other people's comments when you're just fostering. Um, and so I think for us, it was hesitant of, okay, how do we merge our family now with multiple layers in a healthy manner? And I think there was a little bit of sadness for me as I started to go through my pregnancy that I didn't experience that with Mason. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a little bit of a loss on my part of just there. I will never experience that with him. And there is that difference. Like you can't deny that Mm -hmm. as I was going through my pregnancy, that came to my mind a few times here and there. Um, But you know, it's cool because Zach and I both come from families who are through adoption. Um, So my siblings are adopted and one of his sisters is adopted. And so I think going into forming our family, we were graced with an understanding 
already. And so that has helped kind of take away any of those fears that, okay, am I going to love this one more than another right. one? You know, um, you know so I think that's like helped. to have siblings who are yours in every sense, even right. if it wasn't right. biological. Now, so I think find- the biggest fear was that we would lose Mason close to delivery or like right at the same time. That was my biggest fear was that we would have a huge traumatic loss and a huge joy. And how, how would I process that? I, I remember praying and being like, I don't think that's possible to process God. So don't make it happen. Um, I think that was one of our biggest fears was just, you know, as these overlap are the timings going to overlap because if he goes home, that's such a traumatic loss for us to also welcome our son, you know, it was just, that was our biggest fear. Yeah. Now what you just said about even experiencing the loss in pregnancy, I think it just points to the fact that adoption is so joyful and so beautiful. And we, Mm. we want to celebrate that and highlight that. So we do, but that through every stage, even if you didn't miss time with your son, cause you barely missed time with him right. through every stage. It's just touched by loss. And I think mm-hmm. that acknowledging that, that you lost that, that he didn't share that with you, that there's a loss for him, that he shared that with his biological mother, that mm-hmm. it, it's just a strange thing that I think most people who aren't, aren't in this community say like, Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so great. They were with you. You know, my daughter came to me at four weeks old. She's like a clean slate and she didn't go through anything. And she, and it's like, Holy moly, she had nine months of what she went through and she's going to have the rest of her life of what she go through of processing Mm -hmm. through all this stuff. So I love, I don't think we've ever had anyone acknowledge that just even the loss of pregnancy and that, bonding time and just that experience of motherhood. And I think that is something that Zach and I have been very conscious of, of, I mean, our adoption day was such a celebration and the adoption itself will always be a celebration, but acknowledging that to have adoption, you have to have loss first. And ultimately God never intended for families to be ripped apart to then put them, you know, it's his way of giving us grace to form redemption and solving a problem. Um, and it's such a, it's such a wonderful thing, but there is that loss that comes first and acknowledging that and working through that and being willing to work through that with Mason for the rest of his life and recognizing that when the judge said, you're a King, you know, it's done. It's not over. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think that's the misconception too, is like, Oh, he's adopted. Everything's good. It's done. Like it's all happy yes. here. Right. Yes. So, I think um, that's such a great thing to acknowledge. And to be honest, you're what, two months into adoption? It was that recent, right? I don't even think it's been that long. Okay. Six weeks, maybe five okay. weeks. So yeah. I feel like that was something I learned more and more as time goes on. And I, I feel like it's only going to serve your heart and only going to serve him that you're starting off with that place that, mm-hmm. that you start to acknowledge that right now and help him through it right now and not resent the loss that you are going to experience even right now. It's just right. a gift that you have that, that sort of full bodied understanding already. Definitely. I'm interrupting my chat to make sure that you know about the Real Mom Podcast landing page. You can find it at www.realmompodcast.com. 
There, I connect you to my guest. I connect you to all the resources and books and recipes and shows and everything that we discuss. That will be the best place for you to get the Real Mom Podcast experience. Visit there, www.realmompodcast.com. So one thing I want to talk to you about is just how soon you are from adoption. I mean, you just hit it a little bit that it was so happy, but then there was this, you hear different things from mom. Some, to be honest, I didn't think about the sadness or the lost once on adoption day. I grieve that Mm -hmm. at TPR and there's been time since, but on adoption day for me, it was only happy, only like a new family is being formed and you're mine forever. Where were your feelings at? We, I would say we were the same. Our actual adoption day was all joy. Um, I probably, I think I had a moment of grieving maybe like a week or two before our TPR to adoption day journey was exceptionally long. And so, um, you know, we grieved at TPR, um, termination of rights for the family, for sure. That was some, a whole nother process. Mm -hmm. Um, just feeling that, back and forth tug of, you know, different emotions. Um, but because I was so long ago, I think as adoption finally started to approach all those feelings kind of came back up of, okay, here we are, you know, and Zach and I had some really good conversations just about what does our future look like? How can we best parent and love and lead Mason? Um, but the, we had a bunch of out of town family fly in for the adoption day. Um, and we are so blessed with just the most amazing tribe around us. And so the night before and the day of the adoption day, I mean, we had, I think we had 40 people in the courtroom. Like we had standing room. (laughs) We packed that place in. And um, for those that don't know, my husband's a, you know, into film. And so we had two videographers (laughs) in the courtroom with us, you know, two photographers. And so it was just a party. It was just a huge celebration. Um, it was awesome. And then we ended up throwing a huge party that weekend because we finalized on a Thursday. And so those, you know, from then and even till now, we've just been celebrating. It's just such a gift um, and such a joy. And, um, you know, people used to ask me after termination of rights, oh, now you can take that deep breath of, you know, a big sigh of relaxing and peace. And I said, no, I cannot. I can't take that. So you fostered, you get it, but I can't take that until the judge says, you know, I grant your adoption petition. And so that is just that the coolest feeling to be able to finally take that big sigh of relief that he's here to stay. Nothing can change that. Nobody can call me and say, change of plans. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so that's been, I've just been kind of living in that joy of taking that deep breath. That's, you know, this is it. This is here to stay. We had a time immediately after TPR where I was really embracing that, like, okay, they're ours. This is it. And my son and my husband were wrestling on the bed and my husband like kicked him off the bed and he broke his arm. So the story is like, you know, my dad broke my arm, even though they were wrestling and they were laughing and well, I don't do blood or anything medical at all. And so like Mm -hmm. I immediately fall to the ground (laughs) and run to the bathroom and I'm throwing up and I'm and in between passed out over and over and over. In between passing out, I would wake up and I would say, like, (gasps) wake up. 
tell them it was a mistake. Don't let them. And I realized the next day I thought I was breathing a sigh of relief. Okay. They're ours forever. Mm-hmm. Something goes wrong and you realize anything they yeah. could come and taken my girls. If mm-hmm. the wrong doctor doctor came in and heard the wrong story and all of a sudden it looks like we broke our son's arm, then that yeah. sigh of relief no longer exists. And Definitely. I didn't realize it until something went wrong. Like, oh yeah, they're still not ours. Okay, this right. still is not legit yet. And there is right. that constant trusting. I mean, you trust right. is something you have to put on every day. It is not mm-hmm. once and done. And so it's right. like, I have to trust just to get to TPR. Okay, good. We're at, it's like, no, no, no. Okay. Now it's time to trust every day again and, yeah. and believe that he is good. And, um, with Mason's case, we actually were really close and we still are with, um, some of his extended family and then actually a family friend. And so throughout the case leading up to TPR, it was a constant back and forth. They're going to, he's going to stay, he's going to go, he's, you know, and so, I mean, that in itself is just exhausting and does a, you know, has you on your knees a lot. Um, and so at TPR, we actually went into TPR with everyone on board. Okay. You know, he's going to stay in the King's home, um, for an adoption placement. Um, but I think because we had gone back and forth so many times that in my heart, I was like, don't go there yet. You know, you've, you've gone there before and they've changed it. And so, um, until you, that judge signs that paper, you know, just be prayerful, be mindful and don't take that d- deep breath of relief yeah, yet. Yeah. And so, um, so you just yeah. you mentioned the biological family. What did mm-hmm. that look like before adoption? And what does it look like for the past month of his contact, your contact with other biological family? Sure. Yeah. We, um, we went into foster care actually just to foster. That was our initial start was we want to serve, we want to foster. Um, and we were still pretty newly married. And so we thought, you know, okay, we'll go in, we'll foster, we'll serve, and we will support reunification because ultimately that is the goal of foster care. Um, and we, we do believe that firmly. And so, going, moving forward a little bit, you know, we knew that if an adoption was presented to us, we would say, yes, we were, um, that was another thing we stood by was that we will never be in the foster care system. If we, we had to say no to a child, um, nobody is going to have to leave our home if they could stay, um, if that makes sense. And so, yeah, going forward, we were always wanting to support the birth family um, biological mom and dad. And so with both our boys, we've had pretty good relationships. Um, with Mason's, you know, I don't want to get into too many details because it's not my story to share. Um, but we, we had cordial relationships. They just weren't super deep, um, and super weren't super consistent with, um, birth mom. And so, um, we actually got closer with the extended family. And so we, you know, got to know them and they supported us eventually once the worker said, okay, this is going to be an adoption. They supported that they, you know, were on board and it was actually such a God gift. We went into TPR even with birth mom on board. Um, so it wasn't this, we're taking this. It was just kind of a mutual, like, I'm it was like it. almost like a voluntary yeah. TPR, if that makes sense. Um, and so, um, yeah, so we kind of went into that all on good grounds. And I think that prepared us for the a future of really 
a good relationship. And so we, and we told, you know, birth mom and birth family, we want Mason to know you guys. We want him to know his heritage. We believe that he will be the strongest individual with that part of his identity from the start. And so, um, we, that was really important to us. And so we told them, you know, we want to have contact. And so we've seen the extended family since the finalization and TPR. Um, we met at parks and, you know, had them play and they've really appreciated it. And we've loved to show them that, you know, for us, the term family doesn't mean mom, dad, kids. It means mm. mom, dads, birth family, kids, some kids that are under a roof, some right. that aren't former foster children. Right. Um, and I think even for them, they're trying to process that because this is their first experience with all of this. And so for them, I think it took them aback that they learned we were telling Mason about them and telling him about his adoption and that he had a birth mom. And, you know, we call her his tummy mom because he's so little still. And I think it took them a second to process that. And they were really grateful that they were included in his story, even here among our home and not just on the occasional park trips. Um, you know, they were, we were calling them aunties. And so, yeah, so we've had a really good experience. And I think part of that is just because Zach and I've been so conscious to make that relationship as healthy as it can be and to show them God's grace and God's love. And we never want them to feel judgment or shame because they already feel so much of that. Um, and so that was just going in. That's always been our prayer is, okay, how do we do this so that they feel comfortable and loved? even though I feel so uncomfortable, you know, so many times, right. Um, it's easier said than done. You know, you go into these situations and you do, you get uncomfortable. I know I feel sick in my stomach, but okay, God, this is about loving them. Not like, how do I feel better about myself? Right. Um, and so that's been really important to us. So we've had a really good relationship so far and moving forward. So we have had to set up a little bit of boundaries and that's just something that comes with, you know, this process, but so far it's been really good. And better boundaries at the beginning than stepping back and changing things further right. in. Right. I, I really love what you were saying because I think I think there's a, a good argument to be had for children staying with family and just the benefit of kin and, and growing up where they would have grown up in in that culture, in that context. And but I think that what can be sad or hard about some long-term permanent kinship placements is that it robs the family member of the role that they would have had in that child's life. And so what yeah. I've given them is the gift of being aunts and being grandparents mm-hmm. and not having to be these stand-in parents, but like, you're still his grandmother, you're still his mm-hmm. aunt and you get to be a part of this in his story, in the way that you would have been in the first place, that role that was given to you, we're not going to take that role from you. And you don't have to take on this role of mother. You get to just be grandma. Definitely. Yeah. I love just the intentionality with which I think that that's an example to all of us. It it can definitely be easy after adoption to be like, okay, we played nice, but like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I think, you know, Again, easier said than done. I mean, it's yeah. it's still a process, more so for me probably because, you know, Mason has two moms and that is unconventional. It It's even for me being one of the moms, sometimes it's hard to wrap my brain around this. It's like, okay, God, this is, this is now in your element. I'm just going to say this is what it is. And we 
love and move forward. But sometimes it's hard. It's, you know, there's a selfish part of me that wrestles with the fact that I have to share him. I have to share my role of mom with someone else. You know, you have to be honest about that reality and be willing to talk about it so that you can move forward with that in a healthy manner. Um, but it is, it's unconventional and, you know, it doesn't make sense to a lot of people. It's hard to explain, you know, and so it's, it's a journey for sure. Yeah. And a beautiful journey that is, it's one of those things that is hard and confusing and complicated and it feels like it should just be negative. And yet Mm -hmm. it's so beautiful and such a privilege. So, so many of the things we list are like, just how it's challenging and hard. And certainly on this podcast, I mean, we're not just like, Oh, this is the joy and this, but Mm -hmm. like circling back and just going like, what a privilege to be able to be one of those two moms and enter this broken story and, and get to be a part of it and be a part of turning it around. And yeah. And I think it's it's such a cool light to point people back to the Lord too. You know, it's really hard to do foster care and, I don't really know how people do it without Dude. God's grace and the Lord. And so for me, you know, anytime someone says, I don't know how you do it. I'm like, uh, I don't, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. I have God's grace and I have to lean on his strength because I can't do it by myself. And so I love what you said, you know, it is a privilege because I do feel like, you know, we are, this is our battleground for God's kingdom and to love these kids and know that they have a family and they have a home, you know, in an eternal father, even more so than just to an earthly home too. And so it's just such a cool way to live and shine a light for sure. Absolutely. It is the living, breathing gospel of redemption work and coming Mm -hmm. in and extending forgiveness and just being a part of, of something, a beauty from ashes. I mean, it is literally what the gospel is. This is broken and, and God creating something beautiful. And so to be able to be a, an extension of that, it's just incredible. Yeah. So. I agree. Two adoptive mamas, just like, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so cool to be a part of. But yeah, I, I think too often I can, I can just like, yeah, it's hard and there's this loss and there, but just celebrating it is just, mm-hmm. it's such a joy. All right. I want to shift gears a little bit and just kind of talk about you as a person. Yeah. So I want to know what you're doing, eating, reading, watching, and listening to. What are you doing? Um, what am I doing? I love those memes that talk about how as a mom, you just want to like go to the bathroom by yourself. (laughs) You know, my hobby is Mason is Um, Mason is two and Liam is 10 months. Um, so we are a busy household. Um, Yes. So I, um, actually just started doing yoga and I've really enjoyed that. Um, it's a very new hobby, but, um, I've enjoyed just kind of having an escape a little bit. Um, and I mean, for me, the biggest thing is getting out. I love to get out and go to dinner with a girlfriend or even date nights. That's something Zach and I are really, we believe in strongly. Um, any way you can take a date night, do it. It's yeah, so for healthy sure. for your marriage, for you individually. And for me, I'm such a type A person that if I stay home, even in the evening, I'm like, okay, what's my to-do list? You know, it's hard for me to turn that off. Yeah. Um, even if, you know, the grandparents take the kids away or whatever. So I have to get out of the house. Otherwise I just go back to, you know, what do I do? So, well, and I'm not me. even a type A person, but I'm just like a, it's easy to just fall into bad ruts and like the sitting across mm-hmm. from someone and having to talk 
it just this intentional context of like, let's talk about all that other stuff that we have put on the back burner for so long. So how do you make a priority of date nights? So my parents live 10 minutes, 15 minutes away. Um, So that is super helpful. Um, And the biggest thing for us that we found that allows us to do a date night is we are willing to go to dinner a little late. And so we actually put the boys to bed. They go to bed at seven and they're pretty good with bedtime. And so we get them in bed. We'll have a babysitter get here around 645. And then we take, you know, two hours and just go for a late date night. And so that's been huge because especially with two under two, um, with someone who's not a stranger to someone yeah, else, bedtime's a big yeah. deal. It's a big ordeal in the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, I think that was hard for me leaving at bedtime. And so when we realized, you know what, seven thirty dinner is not too bad. Yep. <laughs> Let's just put the boys down, and then someone can just come and watch TV. Um, and so that's been huge. That's been a game changer. And so we try to do um, at least two a month. Um, to get out and have conversation and right. go, you know, and there's also something when, I mean, if you're a mom with toddlers, you know, but eating a meal without your toddler next to you for sure. and that you didn't there's cook just, food tastes so much yes. better when you don't cook it. There's just a joy to it. There's just such a joy to it. And so for us, that is just huge. If we can go have a meal without food on the ground, you know, we love going, we, and we do go out with our boys cause we love it and we want them to get used to restaurants and they're pretty good. They are, they're sweet. Um, but there is a joy to eat a meal without sure. them. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, that leads yeah. to the next question, which is what are you eating? What am I eating? Um, you know, I'm not a diet person, so I'll just be frank. Um, you're my person eat balanced. Um, you know, I try to eat healthy foods, um, but also enjoy a dessert here and there. I think as a mom, you deserve a brownie at night. And, you know, there are some mornings where you eat, you know, yogurt and granola and a banana and I do. And then there's some mornings where I'm like, okay, I'm having three Oreos and (laughs) a coffee, you know? So I think it changes, but, um, you know, I do like to try to cook dinner. That's kind of important to our family is to have home cooked meals for dinner at least three to four times a week. And so, um, just getting the boys used to foods we all can eat too. Um, so that's kind of important to us. So in terms of that, we're just eating, you know, lots of chicken and home cooked meals is, um, key for us in the evening. I love it. So even just the memory of it, my kids today were like, can we have a family breakfast? And I'm Mm -hmm. like, yeah, of course we can. They just want to sit and all laugh together. And, you know, breakfast in our house is usually like someone has a bagel at 6am and someone has a bowl of cereal at 9am. And just those, like, it is this coming together and being a unit when so much of your day is just all separate and all over the place. Right. And we, you know, I grew up with that and we both want that for our future as our kids get older and more kids are added. Yeah. And so we, we realize, you know, we have to start that now if that's yeah. a habit that we want to keep. And so, you know, I would say that there are nights where Zach and I will say, okay, we'll just eat after the boys go down because it's just easier. Um, I mean, that's real life for sure. But we do try to, even if it's us standing at the counter and the boys in the night chairs and the toddler chair, you know, but we do try to gather and, and have that time so that in eight years from now, 10 years from now, that's something they know is part of our family, that's right. part of our core. Well, and I'm sure there are also nights, I would say 
when we had, we had kids who were 15 months apart too, but we also had three or four others. But Mm -hmm. in that season, I was like, this is stupid. Why are we doing this? Family dinner is everyone complaining about my food, them screaming at each other, a huge mess, me not eating. And I'm like, why are we doing this? But you just hit it as the vision for later. You fight for it now. It's Mm -hmm. like everything with parenting. Right. Put in the hard work now. It's not like, like they don't just potty train themselves. Like everything is we're training and we're even training. We sit and we talk. I mean, we're training our kids now to ask each other questions. And I'm like, you know what? They are selfish little brats. (laughs) So (laughs) we need to learn that when you sit with people, you ask them about themselves. And like, we can't just expect them to turn out as like these these who love family time. Well, let's like train them that that's important to us. So we're training for that. um, Like in the trenches of it right now. Yeah. So we're trying to teach Mason. Actually, our big thing right now is wait until everyone else is done eating because he's in that phase where he's like, okay, I'm done. So I'm going to either throw it or you're going to let me out so I can go play, (laughs) you know? And so trying to teach him like when we have a family meal, we wait until everyone's done eating. Um, easier said than done with a two-year-old, but yeah, we're trying. It might be you get um, minutes out of them, but at least you're training. Yeah. You are not done the yeah. second you're done. Definitely. And That's so, um, and I've totally been there. I've had nights where, you know, I'm cooking and Zach comes home and I'm like, I'm done. This is yeah, so yeah. dumb. Why are we doing this? Like, I don't want to <laughs> eat. And we've had nights where, you know, Zach eats his plate outside while Mason plays and I'm eating my plate while Liam's munching on something, you know, so it's not perfect, but sure. I think the attempt so that later on the attempt stays and then they know, you know, what, what the plan is. Um, but it's not super easy right now. <laughs> no, I get that. Okay. What are you reading? Um, so what I'm reading, well, the word, you kind of have to live in it as a foster adoptive mom. Um, so it's again, and it's hard to get into it. I think that's been a struggle for me too. Um, so even if it's the verse of the day, mm-hmm. um, Devo, um, Jesus calling is one of my favorites. Um, just something to enlighten my mind, turn me back to the Lord, kind of regulate myself. Um, the other book that we just got that we're reading is the out of some child actually, um, for our kiddo Mason, um, just to try to educate us on maybe some sensory stuff and ways that we noticed with him and which is super common. um, I was going to say, if anyone who's listened to this podcast before has heard me say, I think like 80% of kids in foster care have sensory issues. I think that should be required reading for a foster adoptive parent. Yes, for sure. So that's one that I'm kind of, it's a big book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of browsing it and like reading chapters when I feel like they stand out. Um, that's, but that's the way to do it though. If you sit totally. and read that book in one sitting, then it's like, okay, I learned all that stuff. You need the constant reminder that he needs that sensory diet and that you need to be strategic. Right. I think that's the way to do it. Definitely. Um, we're reading Hands Are Not For Hitting <laughs> with Mason, you know, the Sweet Children's book. Um, I feel like most of my books are like for three and under currently. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's words, it's language, so right. it counts. Um, and then it's taking me a very long time to read it because I'm a mom. But one of my fun books is The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. Yeah, yeah, yeah I read that. So, my dad recommended it. And so 
it's really intriguing and super interesting. So yeah, that's um, a fun yeah. book. Cool. All right. What are you watching? You know, I'm a habit real quick. Are you a reality TV person? Like I am watch reality TV. I do. I, it's my guilty pleasure. Yeah. Mine um, too. Yes. So we are watching the amazing race right now. Um, actually Tyler and Corey are friends who competed with us on our season are at back on the race. And so we're cheering them on. Oh, um, so you know, fun. It's, it's funny though, watching a reality show that you've experienced yeah. because all the anxiety comes the minute the theme show the theme song starts my heart starts racing i'm like oh my gosh okay i'm not racing i don't have to That's i don't have to so um so we're watching that and then my new favorite show actually in the last year it's a random find but it's on hulu it's on nbc i think is the world of dance um with Dude, my Jennifer last Lopez. Guest said that the last person oh I had on the podcast said that was their new favorite show you know why it's so great is the judges are amazing they're so uplifting and they're so real and funny and they just do a really good job hosting the show as judges but the reason that i love it is that the way they produced it and edited it you don't have to watch the bad acts if that makes sense (laughs) yeah um like everyone is just incredible and stellar and so so i don't feel like i'm like fast forwarding like "Eh, that's okay um and it's just one of those shows where you're like, that just blew my mind. And I don't have to think about anything else in the world because I don't know how they just did that right. dance move, you know? And so, all right. Yeah. What are you listening to? Um, so I actually repeat a playlist by our church often on Spotify um, called the songs we sing. Um, and it's just the worship we sing at church with a bunch of extra added in, but it's kind of my like go-to just to like feed my soul and in the car, um, especially if the boys are fussy or even having fun, but are loud. There's something about worship compared to like a pop song. (laughs) That's more upbeat. I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's so much noise. Um, so that's kind of my go-to right now. Um, and I love it because we sing them on Sunday. And so it feels like my church experience Mm -hmm. kind of lasts through the week. Um, which has been really cool. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of like music what I'm listening to right now. I'm a big Bethel fan podcast, obviously real mom podcast. And then, uh, the, um, coffee and crumbs is one of my favorites as well. Um, so in terms of mom podcasts, um, that one has been a big encouragement to me as well. Okay, Rachel, this, uh, this was so great. Can you just share with me where our listeners can find you? Sure. Uh, I am mostly on Instagram. Um, Rachel M King is my handle. Um, so that's kind of my place to share our life, share our process. And then, um, actually it's not my page, but my husband's page has a few of our family kids stuff on it too. So, um, Zach King does, he does some of our stuff. And now that Mason is ours, it's fun because he's coming up with ideas for, um, how to include him. Yeah. He day. can be a star of the show now too. <laughs> I love yeah. it. So that's really sweet, but yeah. Good. Well, Rachel, this was such a great conversation. I, I just love to hear how you're pressing into God in all these different things. And it was just refreshing to talk adoption again and just to talk about what it looks like to be 
a follower of Christ through all of this and just find the hope that he provides through all of this. So thank you so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. And yes, I appreciate thank that. you for having me. Yeah, I'm so honored. It was really a joy. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Real Mom Podcast. You can find us online, www.realmompodcast.com or on iTunes and subscribe. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash realmompodcast or Instagram at realmompodcast. Thanks so much for listening.